Hello and welcome to the Jesus Witch Podcast. I'm your host, Lena Elsia Lee, also known as Lena the Jesus Witch on TikTok and Instagram. The Jesus Witch Podcast is a show dedicated to opening the conversation about including Jesus in witchery practices. The goal of this podcast is to not be evangelical. The goal is to spread the love, light, truth, acceptance, and oneness that is Jesus Christ himself. Here at the Jesus Witch Podcast, we believe all people are loved by God and all people are loved by Jesus. We believe in community and the power of fellowship. We believe in giving whatever you reasonably can to help your neighbor who's in need. And above all, we believe in the power of creating a relationship with Jesus that is authentic and unique to you. Join me for new episodes of the Jesus Witch Podcast every single Monday and be sure to subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting app. So this week on the Jesus Witch Podcast, I am so freaking excited because I have with me a guest who like, she does Christian Druidry. I think I pronounced that probably wrong. Yes, you got it. (laughs) But today I have with me um, Amber. So Amber, can you introduce yourself and say like what you are, what you do, that kind of jazz? Absolutely. Thank you. Uh, my name is Amber Mayer. I'm actually a Canadian uh, listener of the Jewish Witch Podcast, so I'm excited to be here. Um, I consider myself a Druidic Christian witch, and I focus my magic more so in divination, mediumship, as well as uh, working with animals in my magic. So um, I'm really excited to talk a little bit about my path with you guys today. Um, my name is Amber Mayer, but you can call me Avalon the Brown if you want. <laughs> That's my witchy name, I guess, if you guys go by those. Um, Yeah, I am currently a stay-at-home mom, but I have been on the radio. I've been tree planting. I've done all sorts of crazy jobs, you name it. But uh, right now I'm just raising my little baby boy. I feel that. I'm also a stay-at-home mom. So that's like, you know, something else we have in common. You mentioned you're a Christian Druidic witch. I think I pronounced that correctly probably yes. not um <laughs> but you're good <laughs> so i mean i think everybody listening here kind of knows what a witch is um so let's break apart the other two pieces of it right so what is being a druid and what does that mean to you that is a very good question so i tried to rack my brain to find a really good definition that i felt would totally take around the circumstance here. And (laughs) I kind of word it like this. Uh, Druidry is an open practice that focuses on the natural world, its inherent magic, and the sacredness of trees. It's a shamanic religion relying on the combination of contact with the spirit world and knowledge and practice of holistic medicine. I love that. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's very cool. Our main focuses in Druidry are music, animals, and nature. So I was automatically drawn to this when I was in my early Christian witch days. Yeah. I mean, like, so how did you, so how did you find um, Druidry? Well, that's a really good question. Um, first of all, when I actually even came to Christian witchcraft, I, before that, I actually grew up in a bit of a not a United Pentecostal church cult. I don't know if anyone's heard of that, but uh, it's UPC or UPCI. And uh, I had these divination gifts and gifts with animals as well as gifts with magic throughout my entire childhood and throughout my entire life, of course. And I was kind of abhorred for them and shunned for them. I wasn't really allowed to talk about certain gifts and I was just kind of that weird black sheep. Right. (laughs) And eventually when I started working into Christian witchcraft, I start, I was like originally studying like Christian alchemy because I was in denial. I didn't want to call it witchcraft. And then eventually I I got over it and went into Christian witchcraft. But um, I felt like my ancestry and heritage was just calling me all my life. And then when I became a Christian witch, it got even stronger. I knew there were witches and druids in my heritage, but I wasn't able to learn about them because we were, you know, we cut that off of our family tree, so to speak. Um, So then when I started my path as a Christian or Jesus witch, um, my pull became even stronger. I started watching um, TikToks and I started finding Facebook groups that would discuss druidry. And eventually I started looking into researching it for myself. So that's really cool. Um, So with like after going off of Facebook and like TikTok, right? Like where did your research bring you and how did you come to actually like call yourself a Druid and not just somebody who's like interested in Druidry? 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I was led by TikTok um, to the order of bards, ovates, and druids. Uh, so druidry is an open practice, but there also are orders or what we call groves, which you are encouraged but not forced to join. Um, so I started doing research with them. I started um, stalking their websites, stalking all their social medias, listening to their podcasts. And um, then I found some information also on their website, which I can link in the, um, the resource notes below for you, uh, that talk about Christianity and Druidry and how they actually do meld very well together. And in fact, there's pretty strong re resemblances that between Druidism and Judaism, which we can talk about a little bit later on. Um, but it just resonated so strongly with me. And I just felt like my whole life I've been a Druid and I just didn't even know that I was already practicing as a Druid. I love that that's your story. That is so sweet. And like, it's really cool how it just like felt like you were doing this your whole life. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is something yeah. that once you learned about what it was, it kind of just put a name to what you're go you already were going through, what you were already were experiencing. Um, and yes, we will definitely link that website in the resource notes. Um, so now I guess my question, right? So now we're kind of like, we've covered like what Druidity is, like where you can just like start to research it a little bit more. Um, but you were mentioning like that there's like a big link between Druidity and Christianity. So where is that? Like what is- Absolutely. So I've got a link here, which I can also share with you, um, that discusses the affinity of Druidism and other religions. And it specifically pops out with Judaism. Um, and it talks about the striking, striking resemblances there. Before I touch on that, though, I want to read Acts 29, which is actually a rejected chapter that's not included in the King James Version. And I think it might be for this very reason. If you read um, Acts chapter 29, verse 13, this is Paul going out to England and reaching out and, you know, mission, missionarying, <laughs> missioning to these people. And it says, and it came to pass that certain of the Druids came unto Paul privately and showed by their rites and ceremonies, they were descended from the Jews, which escaped from bondage in the land of Egypt. And the apostle believed these things and he gave them the kiss of peace. And Paul abode in his lodgings three months, confirming in the faith and preaching Christ continually. Now a quick break from this week's episode of the Jesus Witch Podcast to talk about a few ways you can help support the show. One way you can help support the creation of the Jesus Witch Podcast is to become a supporter of us on Patreon. On our Patreon, there are four different tiers that you could choose from, and they're all named after tarot cards. We have the Fool, the Magician, the Hierophant, and the High Priestess. In the Fool tier, you get early ad-free episodes of the Jesus Witch Podcast, extended show note pages when available, Christian tarot grimoire pages, and access to our monthly community oracle reading. In the Hierophant tier, you get everything from the Fool tier, tarot spreads to help your connection with Christ, spirit, your higher self. I also like to put out new tarot spreads for each full moon or new moon, wheel of the year holiday, and zodiac sign. In the Magician tier, you also get one Bible-based spell grimoire page each month. This teaches you how to incorporate the Bible into your own spell practice. In the Hierophant tier, you get everything from the Fool and the Magician tiers, as well as a happy mail package from me every single month with the ingredients to make a spell, as well as an extra Bible-based spell page for your grimoire. And then you get access to our spellcasting Zoom each month where we do the spell that I sent you together. In the High Priestess tier, you get everything from the Magician, Fool, and Hierophant tiers, as well as an extra Bible-based spell from the Sun and Moon Oily Co. in your Happy Mail package each month, and a one-on-one -on -one Zoom call with me every single month to discuss your practice, how you're growing, and any suggestions that I could give to you to help you on your path. Patreon tiers start at $6.66 per month, and you can find the link to that in the show notes page. Another way you can help support the show is by shopping at my Etsy shop, The Sun and Moon Oily Co. Over on the Sun and Moon Oily Co., I offer Bible-based spell oils, ritual bath salts, Jesus Witch or Christian Witch-specific mystery boxes, and custom spell oils. Over on my Etsy shop is where you can also book different types of readings with me. I offer tarot readings for your inner child, channel messages from Jesus or from Lilith. I also have a listing for general tarot readings. You could grab a soul contract reading between yourself and another person or yourself and a deity that you're working with or curious to work with. 
or even grab an astrology reading for yourself or an astrology reading for your kiddos to help you parent them better and more effectively. There's also Jesus Witch merch on my Etsy shop and so many other things that I am planning on adding to my shop. So head over to the Sun and Moon Oily Co. to check that out. Another thing you can do to support the growth of the Jesus Witch podcast is join our Discord community. The Jesus Witch Church is our free 18-plus Discord community where we host Jesus Witch Church services and moon circles. This is your place to ask all Jesus Witch or witchy questions in general and make some really awesome friends. You can find the link to our church in the show notes page. Another free way you could support the Jesus Witch podcast is by sharing this show with a friend and rating it on whatever podcasting app you're using with five stars. Leaving us a nice review really helps get the word out about the show, and don't forget to subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting app. Another thing you could do to help the creation of the show is send a donation to the Jesus Witch Podcast via Cash App or PayPal. It takes a lot of time and effort for me to create the Jesus Witch Podcast, and getting donations helps me get the support and help that I need to be able to create this type of content for you. Donations also help keep this podcast free to everybody, so if you love this show and the information that's being put out there, please consider sending a donation to my PayPal or my Cash App. The username on both is the Jesus Wedge Podcast, but the link for both of those can be found in the show notes page. And the final way that you could help support the creation of the Jesus Wedge Podcast is by sending me a gift. In the show notes page, I have the link to my Amazon wish list. Everything that I put on this wish list was put there to help create content for you. Simply put, buying things off of this Amazon wish list helps me so that I don't have to purchase them myself. So I can put more of my resources in towards making the Jesus Witch Podcast. If you would like to support the Jesus Witch Podcast by buying me a gift or in any other way, you could find all the links to everything mentioned in this ad in the show notes page. Now let's get back to the show. That's insane. As soon as I read that for the first time, I got literal shivers. <laughs> Maybe that's just my inner Pentecostal, but it just freaked me out. No, that's like, firstly, it's insane. Like, I'm, I'm on my whole like own journey right now with, with Paul. <laughs> yeah. um, and like, I was doing divination on him. I have like the Akashic Tarot. My friend Ashley gifted it to me. And oh, wow. I was doing the Akashic Tarot with him and I kind of like got this, like this card that I had gotten in this, I did this reading with another psychic, her name's Shea. She was on the podcast before. She's awesome. And she did a soul contract reading for me. Um, and anyway, long story short, it was like a very difficult relationship and a difficult person that I have this soul contract with. Um, mm. It was actually, I was rear-ended by a drunk driver back in December. So she read that soul contract to see like what I had to learn. And the first card that like popped out the one that like really stuck out to me was um from two different worlds right so then i do the same like card right and she had the akashic tarot i was using the akashic tarot with paul and the, the card that like popped out let like left out like amber i'm not kidding like f- flew across the room left out right was this two different worlds and like wow. the message that i got from paul is like i came from a very religious background i was a pharisee like kind of thing like i am the strict person that basically like traumatized the people that you oh, totally like you know you're quote-unquote missioning to or proselytizing whatever you call what i do what i you know what i'm saying i don't mm-hmm. even know what to call it at this point um but he's like that so you're of the different world but he's like our paths are not so different and I was like, what do you mean by that? And I was like, kind of like, okay, maybe because we're both like, you know, people who deal with like chronic pain or like he had, obviously he had that thorn in his side, which people either believed was like blindness or chronic illness or mental illness, something like that. Um, and I deal with chronic pain and chronic illness as well. And I'm like, okay, maybe that's it. And we're both like really living for Jesus kind of thing. But right now kind of bridged that gap for me. He said that mm. to me because he's also dipped his foot in the like witchy side he knows what we're doing he's cool oh absolutely yeah he's cool like he's cool with that was the vibe that i was getting he's cool with it he didn't did not mean for his words to be taken the way that they did but he does come from a different world of like a more strict religious background so that's like wow wow so to get that affirmation and confirmation from him is like he's the epitome of religion and wow that is amazing so that's like crazy. Just, I'm sorry for the tangent, but that was crazy. No, that's like, okay. It's all good. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that with me. 
that's like, but that was just like, whoa. Okay. Well, I'm going to blow your mind even more if that's okay. <laughs> There's actually theories that surround Jesus visiting Avalon, which is um, a very holy Druid place um, in his younger years, right? There's the theory of the, um, the lost years of Jesus. And uh, there are theories surrounding the fact that Jesus probably could have done training at Avalon in witchcraft and um, in being a druid. Uh, also, there's a theory surrounding Joseph of Arimathea, who was, you know, Jesus's uncle and the guy that let him use his his um, burial area when he died um, before he rose, of course. And there's theories that Joseph of Arimathea, after Jesus's um, death, he visited Avalon and he stabbed a spear that he was carrying or sorry a staff that he was carrying into the ground of Avalon which sprouted a a hawthorn tree sorry I can repeat that (laughs) that was a little little messy so Joseph of Arimathea visited Avalon after the death and resurrection of Christ and he stabbed his staff into the ground of Avalon, which had actually was thought to have sprouted a hawthorn tree. And now hawthorn trees are very sacred to druids. All trees are sacred to druids, but the hawthorn tree specifically is a tree used for harvesting wands and staves. Oh Eventually, after this staff had sprouted into the hawthorn tree, uh, Joseph was then thought to have built the very first church at Glastonbury, which is the first church that appeared around Avalon. Wow. So wait, but like, is, do we know geographically where Avalon was? So they have some theories, yes, uh, around exactly where uh, in the English area it mm-hmm. was, um, but it is known to have disappeared into the mist. I actually personally have some different beliefs about where it's gone, but um, it, it has been rumored to be in the tour of um, England, mm-hmm. which is a specific area where there were a lot of apple trees growing um, because Avalon was very well associated with apples. Another amazing link <laughs> to oh Avalon and some other places we know. <laughs> what? Yeah. Also, uh, it's rumored that Joseph of Arimathea kept the Holy Grail, um, you know, the Grail that Jesus drank from at the Last Supper, at Avalon. And then that's where the whole King Arthur story comes into play, because King Arthur was um, designated by the Druids to keep the Holy Grail and keep it safe from the Christians because they would use it for the wrong reasons. I'm like, it's just not like normal for me to actually be like speechless, but I'm like, wait a minute. Like it makes a lot of sense because not only obviously like, you know, everybody got, has to do their own research and, and, you know, read this stuff for themselves kind of thing. Right. Absolutely. It's just theories. A lot of Druidry and the history we have was erased, unfortunately, by a lot of people, including Julius Caesar, those kind of people. But these are some theories and legends that are out there. Yeah, I mean, like, quite frankly, like, you could, the same could literally be said about the Bible, right? We don't totally. have the original text totally. of the Bible. It's been, you know, misinterpreted and, like, cut up. And, you know, even, like, that chapter of Acts you just read, not in the Bible. Why? Hmm, who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I think we know. But my point being, it just, it makes it, like, so I'm personally of the belief, I guess, like, as much as you can call me a Christian witch, or I personally don't keep the label of Christian witch. I just mm-hmm. keep witch, um, even though I do work with the Abrahamic God. But I'm very honest. Like, I believe, like, every religion has, like, a piece of the puzzle. Every god and goddess does exist in their own right sort of way. Um, yeah. So, like, with omnism, this makes a lot of sense to me because it just, like, continuously links. Like, right, everything in this world, we're all one, right? So this just makes that link, like, even further and, like, more proves, like, we really are just one. We really do just come from one, like, source story and, like, one creation and one consciousness. It's, like, oh, my gosh. Anyway. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, more focus on Jesus as well. Uh, there's been some comparisons between um, Jesus's abilities and the Merlin, you know, the famous Merlin white guy with the beard and um, big staff. Um, so Merlin isn't actually just a person. Merlin is actually a druidic term. And it's usually for a high priest, I guess would be a similar term, a high chieftain. 
um, in Druidry. And um, essentially, Druids work very closely with the Fae. And the Fae will bring forth a Merlin, or a Merlin will be birthed to the world when the Fae feel as though the humans need some sort of savior or messiah. And there have been many Merlins throughout our time and, you know, throughout Earth's history. And there is a theory that Merlin um, took the form of Jesus Christ and that he came to, of course, be a savior and to help humankind when they needed it. And um, the Fae is very closely associated with Merlin because they are the ones that help train up the Merlin. So Jesus coming to Avalon for training makes a lot of sense because the Avalon, Avalon in its location and the Fae in it, they're, you know, beyond the veil, so to speak, they are very closely intertwined. The Fae protect Avalon and that's the rumor as to why Avalon has disappeared is because the Fae have actually protected Avalon from the outside world and put it beyond the veil. So interesting. And like, I personally believe that Jesus probably incarnated before, I think him as Jesus or Yeshua, whatever name you want to put to him, he was probably his last incarnation because he ascended and he didn't actually die. So, mm-hmm. um, I mean, although to be fair, Elisha, Eli, no, not Elisha, Elijah, I'm confusing my Elijah, um, <laughs> but no, Elijah did not die and he was believed to be the reincarnation of or be reincarnated into John the Baptist. But I personally don't believe that Jesus like incarnated after his ascension. You know what I believe? Yeah, no. And I, sorry, I shouldn't have worded it that way. Um, What I mean is that um, for me, when it comes to reincarnation, I think that people can carry shards of different Mm -hmm. souls and uh, that's what makes us all so unique and so different. But I think that perhaps there was some correlation in a shard of Merlin within Jesus Christ. Not that Jesus Christ will be reincarnating again because he's still alive. He's still out there. He's still within us. Right. But there was some part of the Merlin that is with him and stayed with him. Now, like, no, no, that makes sense. But here's the thing. Now you just like kind of pieced it together for me. Like, as I was like talking it out before, I'm like, yeah, but Jesus didn't die, but so did Elijah and Elijah. He definitely reincarnated, you know, kind of thing. So I was like kind of finding a fault in that logic but Mm -hmm. you saying like he's still alive in everybody like he's still alive in us he's literally like reincarnating every time like he has like a believer living through him sort of thing absolutely that was wow cool huh huh (laughs) you're gonna listen to this episode and be like wow lena learned a lot today (laughs) (laughs) i've got so much information i'm gonna try not to um overwhelm (laughs) y'all no it's great so like I, i I think my mind's a little too blown. I don't know how to segue. What what else do you what else do you, have you want to throw at us? Sure. So um, I can go back a bit to Judaism and uh, Jude- Judaism, yes. if that would work. Um, so this one specific article that I have is an educative article um, based. It was way back in 1921. Okay, and it's free on the internet. I'll send it to you. Um, but on page 131, it talks about the striking resemblance between Druid- Druidism, now I can't say it, <laughs> and Judaism. Um, so not only did each religion inculate a belief in a supreme being, but the name given to that supreme being is akin. It's very similar. So the Jewish name for the supreme being, Jehovah, means the self-existent um, or employed by Moses. Oh, let's see if I don't butcher this. Maimonides, the eternal or, or the self-existent. Among the Druids, um, Bel was the name given to the supreme, the meaning which is he that is, uh, or the name Ta, which is also I am all that has been, is, or shall be. The Druidic faith also has multiple stages or different classes of people, different roles that people play. So I mentioned before the um, order of Ovates, Bards, and Druids, right? So um, a bard is someone that helps with storytelling and bringing in the knowledge, educating the people, which is very similar to the scribe for Jews. Um, The Ovate would be the prophet. They bring in the divination work. They bring in the um, telling us what we need to know ahead of time. And then the Druid itself would be the judge or the priest. 
um, the person that takes all the knowledge they've gained from divination and scribing when they were in those pieces, in those specific classes, and they use that to help people. So Druid's kind of sort of the final go-getter, but you spend your life throughout those three stages just as though you spend your life throughout judging, prophesizing, prophes- prophesying, there we go, judging, prophesying, and scribing. So it's similar to um, the Jews in that regard. Yeah, that's like a very similar structure. Um, yes. I'm decided to read that article. That's actually really cool. Yeah. Um, so I guess like my question now is like, how do you like practice as a druid, right? So you talked about like working with like the fae and with like animal spirits. So like, let's start with the fae because I know everybody heard the word fae and they were like, what? Well, how do you do that? Uh, that is a very good question. A very big one. So I'll try to answer as good as I can. But um, I know for me, it was very intimidating at first to work with the Fae because I was always taught Fae equals devil. You know what I mean? Like Fae equals a demon trying to trick you and trying to trick the children and blah, blah, blah. And even in like witchery, right? Everybody's like, don't mess with the Fae. Don't mess with the Fae. Like it's even with witchy people that they're kind of like- Oh, absolutely. I don't know. I've personally, I don't get this like really evil vibe from them. I kind of get like a playful trickstery kind of like. Yeah, exactly. They do not play by our rules. They do not play by our society standards of etiquette at all because they have their own culture. They have their own way of being and they are very mischievous. They love to have fun. They're very playful. They really like to mess with you. (laughs) Um, So it's good to know how to educate yourself in their culture. For example, if you say thank you to them, that is actually such an insult because they are very transactional beings. So for you to say thank you when they have given you something means you're not willing to give them something in return because you're saying, oh, this was a gift. Thank you. I don't have to give you anything back, right? Yeah, and Fae are very much a uh, like give and take um, creature being. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that they are here to help us learn about nature. They're here to help us learn to conserve nature, work with nature, and truly uh, recognize the fact that we are also nature. We're not outside of it. We are nature. We are a part of our ecosystems. Um, we don't like yes it is known for humans to be destroyers, but we can cultivate, we can build and help them as well as live our daily lives. Um, So I feel like that's the main role they have in in a human, in a witch's life is to teach us to respect nature, but also respect nature within ourselves. Mm. And um, they, the first major step you could make in relationship with the Fae I would say just to let them know, even out loud, just say, hey, you know what? I recognize you might be here. And if you are here, then I am willing to make the first step with you. And if you're not here, then you are welcome here. Because they, like I say, they are beyond the veil, in my opinion. Um, I'm a very multiverse kind of person. And I believe that the Fae have their own form of multiverse. They have their own dimension that they're in. And they can hop in and out of ours whenever they want. Um, so even if there aren't necessarily Faye present in your area, they will hear you for what you're saying. And because they're, they have that capability, I guess in my first steps to being, to working with the Faye, I decided to leave out some water, leave out a few treats. You can leave out some sugar things like, um, they like Jolly Ranchers or champagne. They like bubbly drinks, um, and leaving out water and just replenishing it and just leaving it on a little shelf. I set up, you can get little doll furniture if you want to get all fancy about it, but really it's just about leaving some space in your home for them. But the major thing you need to do if you're wanting to do that is set ground rules. So when they do finally arrive and they are trying to show their presence, whether you can hear a little bit of a jingle of a bell or you hear a little bit of laughter Um, They also appear a lot in your peripheral. It'll take years for them to actually want to appear right before your very eyes, but they will start to appear in your peripheral. You'll see them peering around corners or around furniture. 
Some of them change size as well. So you might see some varying <laughs> shapes and sizes. Um, but when you finally make that step and you start to see them come around, just make sure you form not necessarily a physical contract, but just an understanding with them. Say like, if you don't want them in your house, for example, that sometimes that's a line people don't want to cross. Just say, okay, you're allowed in the garden. This is where you can be. This is where I'll set food for you. Um, and say those things. If you don't want them in your house, if you don't want them in certain areas, you don't want them touching your petunias, <laughs> you can let them know that. And they are willing to work with you. Um, if you don't set those round rules, they are very much like children. They will push your boundaries. They will try to, oh, how about I just bring some friends over and they'll bring the whole clan. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's about setting those boundaries with them and, you know, practicing safe relationship with them. Yeah. And I think that goes for like anything spirit wise, like just having like, Hey, like I personally, like when I work with any sort of spirit, um, obviously like I, I've talked about this on, on the podcast before. I only work with, um, entities that I believe are within the Abrahamic tradition. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, I mean, fairies would like qualify there because they're part of God's creation in my opinion. Same thing with like unicorns and dragons and all that good stuff. Oh, absolutely. Um, but that's a whole other topic for another podcast, yeah. but anyway. Another day. So when I, like, even in my own home, right, I feel like we live in a very um, just spiritual ground. There's, like, a lot of um, Native in, uh, Native American and Indigenous history in the specific area of New York that we live, um, and we live, like, high on the mountains. We have hawks all over the place. Like, I literally go outside, and I see a, a family of three hawks every single morning. It's crazy. I have, like, bald eagles, like, flying over my house. We live in a very spiritually charged place you know what i'm saying so you guys must be crawling with Faye over there <laughs> okay so here let me tell you this first and then i'll tell you my Faye story okay okay um, <laughs> but when i sense that there's a spirit or when i sense that there's something in my home or near my home or anything like that and i like just get like a a little bit of a twinge you know what i'm saying or even just in general like i just sense like an entity i'll say like just out loud like hey I work with Jesus. I'm his. Um, so if you're not of Jesus, if you're not of God, if you're not of that high love vibration, you need to leave. Like you're not welcome here kind of thing. And that goes. That's such good groundwork. It's just like straight off the bat, the minute that I start to feel it. So like, even if you're trying to invite the Faye in and, you know, invite them into your practice, even being like, Hey, like, you know, I sense that you're here. This is, you know, I'm only inviting you if you're going to bring the vibration of love into my house, the vibration of like joy, laughter, whatever, um, you intention you want to set to work with them with and then move on from there. And the minute that you don't feel that vibration or you don't feel that intention being like met, then in my opinion, that's what I like cut off. Um, 100%. And the, they are very respectful beings when you set those ground rules. But like I said, you, they're like children, you have to set those ground rules. And if it gets to the point, like I have a lot of people that come to me sometimes and they're like, Oh my gosh, Amber, like, I'm so scared if I, I don't know if I can get these fae out of my house now. And I'm like, Oh, absolutely. You can, you have full authority under heaven. You can totally do that. You don't have to worry about um, then invading your home and never getting out. <laughs> you can definitely say, look, in the name of Jesus Christ, our contract is over. You're gone. You know, that's like the best, like, and that's like the one thing that I really like personally, I really like working with Jesus because of this. It's his name is the name that even like demons tremble under. So it's like, totally. no matter what it is, like the minute you're like, Hey, this is my dude, get out of here. They're like, okay, lickety split. Like they do not stay and mess around in my experience when you mention that and like in warding my own house and like whatever I I as I go outside and I put like the eggshells on the ground I like say like I'm warding this house in the name of the father the son and the mother spirit and I don't have Mm -hmm. any issue because like they know they know not to cross that boundary um and Faye are the exact same way. They will totally respect that. Yes. And they understand if you're, you're, you know, they, they're very understanding creatures. So if you're a little bit fearful and you're just a little bit unsure and like one time I did say thank you to a Faye and she straight up laughed at me. I say she because she did have a sort of feminine presence, but they don't, they also don't really listen to our gender roles either. They do their own thing. Yeah. Um, but uh, she laughed at me and she did uh, not punish me, but she hid some of my keys for a while and she knocked some things over. But then I, you know, when I came out and said, look, I, I didn't mean to do that. I didn't realize I was 
crossing your boundary, they were totally cool with it. They're very understanding. They're just very mischievous at the same time. <laughs> Sometimes they just want acknowledgement. And like, okay, but totally. she's on the mischievous, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so the one and only interaction I've had with the Fae, and I'm still like unsure if I want to invite them in my practice, invite them near my home, that kind of thing. Um, they are kind of a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, I just like kind of acknowledged it. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, that's awesome. But um, I went to my mailbox one day because I was expecting a, pa- a package, right? And I go to open my mailbox to see this package. There's no packages, but there's a pine cone in my mailbox. <laughs> yep. And my husband's like, oh, that's just a neighborhood kid. And I'm like, why nope. out of all the 60 mailboxes that are right? Because we live like in like a little like community, right? So like they, uh, um, all the mailboxes are in one spot because we live on a mountain. So, you know, that poor mail driver, if they had to go to every single house on this mountain, it would not be cool. So we have to go like to this, like all the mailboxes are in one place. So out of like the 60 some on mailboxes that are there, why would a kid put one in our mailbox? Like, why wouldn't they put it in like one of their friends' mailboxes to like mess with them? Well, know? that's a classic fae move. Classic. I knew it was the fairies. I knew it was them. And I like, I have like a bunch of, and the, okay. So the interesting part was my son and I had just started collecting pine cones, like a couple of days before this oh. So they like, they just one. wanted to add, they just yeah. wanted to add, they just wanted to add one. I was like, okay, cool. This is great. Like, I appreciate the pine cone. I knew not to say thank you because of TikTok. Thank goodness. Um, so I didn't say thank you, but I didn't like invite them in yet. I'm planning on like doing a garden outside with my kids. Like I, I still, like, you know, it's only, it's almost May. <laughs> I know I don't have mine started either it's okay (laughs) we'll get there um but I'm gonna probably get them like a little like itty bitty like place to hang out in the garden and let them like stay out there I don't want them in the home I have enough spirits in the home (laughs) Mm -hmm. oh I get that I totally get that so um, and they're gonna love it they're gonna absolutely love it you're gonna find that your garden is flourishing you'll see more um you'll see more bees you'll see more butterflies uh, depending on this, there's very many different types of fae. So depending on the fae, you may even have some fairies being birthed from your flowers or from specific plants, um, which their lives would be tied to that plant. But there are other types of fae that might, you know, like a gnome or which are real. Those things are real. They just don't quite always look like the fat little chubby Santa Claus. <laughs> um, and, you know, other uh, forms like that will start to perk their head out behind some herbs and they'll uh, let you know that they're there. They might even bring some more pine cones. <laughs> That's so cool. That's cool. Yeah, they're, they're cool. That was, that was a good, like, because everybody, when you hear people talk about the Fae, I feel like they're like, oh, oh, you know what I'm saying? Like, they have that, like, weird stigma to them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I why? I don't, I mean, like, I, I understand that they're not, like, Tinkerbell, but, like, why would you ascribe, like, such mean, I don't get it. Anyway. I would say a lot of it stems from, history and people probably double crossing and pissing them off, you know, um, and really pissing them off. They take um, pretty, not, I wouldn't say terrifying shapes, but they definitely do take shapes that we're not used to. And um, a lot of them try to work with that. They try to appear more, um, not appropriate, but more, you know, more easy on the eyes, I guess. Yeah. But when they're pissed off, they are pissed off, you know? (laughs) And if you don't know how to handle them, you don't understand the rules and you don't understand the power you have. Yeah. They can be pretty scary. I am that again, that could be said literally about anything. Exactly. Exactly. So it's, it's the same rules apply. So thank you for debunking a little bit of like fairy kind of stuff. I know that wasn't the point. Totally. Yeah. you know what? We could even do another podcast just focusing on Fae as well, but they are very important in Druidry. We work with them quite a lot. So it was, we had to talk about it. Yeah, they're cool. They're interesting. And um, so the other thing that you talked about, like, okay, I guess we should break it down like the three, like you said, you guys work a lot with Fae animals. Yeah. So animals. How do yes. you work with animals? So, the, oh, this is my favorite topic ever. Because <laughs> um, I'm a fauna witch, which I've kind of had to, like, discover on my own. Because it's not really talked about at all in magic. Yeah, um, I don't know and, what a fauna witch is. Yeah, so fauna witches specifically utilize their empathy with animals mm-hmm. uh, to work their craft, to help with rehabilitation of animals, to help with healing of animals. And we also utilize their resources that they give us in the craft. 
So, um, for example, I have a number of different pets. I have a coyote husky. Oh my and god! And yes, she is an um, she's an angel. Honest, like actually, there's a druidic term for her. It's called anamkara, which means soul friend, and that is um, a term for a uh, spirit that is tied to your spirit over many lives. And I believe my girl, Kahira, has been with me for many lives. She's such a sweetheart. Um, So, for example, if I want to maybe um, do some sort of mediumship spell when it's safe, and or maybe I just need to speak with my ancestors, I can use a bit of coyote hair because coyotes are known to go to crossroads and to help uh, reach the underworld. And um, I have a few snakes that I've uh, rehabilitated and worked with. I use their snake shed in my uh, rebirthing spells. So if there's something I really need to shed off my life, some bad habits, I take a little bit of their shed that they leave for me about once a month. I stick it in a spell jar and I leave it at my altar. That's awesome. Yeah. And it's about working with the animals that are in your area as well, not necessarily just your pets, because of course, some people can't keep pets. Um, It's about working with the birds in your area. I have a lot of magpies (laughs) that come and visit me and uh, they tease me. They actually were teasing my cat once in the window. It was absolutely hilarious. (laughs) We have some really good times together Um, (laughs) and uh, working with the squirrels or in my case, I have a lot of elk in my area, moose in my area. Um, I try to also incorporate them into the spells I'm doing or in my altar as well. Like I have a few different pieces from animals that have been given to me. Um, I have a jay feather. Um, my, uh, I had a pet spider once. My friend asked for the spider once it was gone and I gave it to them. Yeah. And they use that in their craft as well. That's awesome. Yeah. It's really fun. And um, there, I say animal empaths because there are different forms of empathy. That could be a whole other podcast title as well, but specifically as an animal empath, you can feel their emotion and you can feel their, um, their drive. You can understand when they're stressed. And it's about also teaching yourself their body language. If you're not necessarily an empath in that regard, understanding how their body language works, because every species is very different too. Mm Mm-hmm. No, that makes a lot of sense. And um, so I, li- I like how you like incorporate your animals, like the, your pets and they're like the things that they give to you into your craft. Um, but when you were talking about like working with like the, the animals that are in your area. So like, let's say somebody doesn't have pets, how would they, mm-hmm. like, if they didn't have like, you know, I, I have a lot of hawks in my area, right? So like, that would mm-hmm. be like something, you know, that I might explore working with it would be hawk. Um, so how would I go about doing that if I don't, like, obviously I don't have a hawk and I can't go up to the hawk and be like, Hey, can I have a feather? Like what? <laughs> I mean, you could try. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I really try. I, as soon as I said it, I was like, well, you, you could, you could try. Try, Lena. <laughs> well, um, no, that's a wonderful question, honestly. Um, one thing you can do is you, if it is safe, I know that sometimes, you know, where there are hawks, there can be bears. So oh, when yeah, it is safe, awesome. you can try and leave out some treats because animals, the, the way to any creature's heart is through its stomach, including the fae, okay? <laughs> so giving it some treats, letting it know you're there, giving it a safe space where it can go. Um, I don't know if they have hawk houses, but (laughs) if they have something to that extent, or even just, um, you could leave a pile of twigs for their nest or some extra, even some of your hair, if you want, leave it there for them. And, uh, they can incorporate that into their nest. And once they recognize you're trying to reach out and build that relationship, then they'll be more willing to appear and come around and drop off some gifts for you. That's so cool. That might not smell great sometimes, but. I mean, there was a bird who dropped off a nice gift literally right on our front door. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful poop right there. Huge, like covers the whole front door window. Um, oh man. <laughs> not, and, yeah, and that's. My husband in Italian tradition, right? In Italian culture, I'm, ta- I'm half Italian and then like half Middle Eastern and a bunch of other garb. Um, not garbage, but like, you know what I mean? Oh, totally. <laughs> bunch of other stuff. Um, You're a melting pot. It's 
So yeah. Tight. Well, unfortunately, the other part of my like Middle Eastern side is very colonizing, so that's why I say. Me too. I'm unfortunately, yeah, I get yeah. that. Uh, there's a lot of ancestors I do not speak to. <laughs> I would say like the majority of my ancestors are really, really, really cool. But my yeah. grandmother, my great, my my grandmother, my dad's mom is English and indigenous. Mm-hmm. So something not good happened there. Um, so anyway, mm, yeah. I refer to to. to Anyway, before I keep talking with my foot in my mouth, um, <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> this ninety percent of this podcast is me putting my foot in my mouth. It's okay. Um, not this episode specifically, but the entire podcast in general. And there I go again, putting my foot in my mouth. You know what, though, I find you so entertaining, and it's just you're so real, and you're so clear with who you are, and you're so authentic. And I think that's it's a great great thing to have honestly so don't don't be so hard on yourself you know <laughs> it's it's that virgo uh mars that likes to be perfectionistic but the rest of me oh don't... yes yes yep so that's how it is but um so in italian tradition uh having bird poop on you or like you know if you're walking down the street and a bird poops on you or a bird poops like in a significant place like on your home or something it's considered to be really good luck so oh well there you go like I'll take I'll take the poop, you know. Like I'm not cleaning it. Like that's gonna be a husband job. But I'll take. The poop. <laughs> well, and you know what? That's actually another very important um, part of druidry when you're working with animals is watching for the omens. Um, and of course, like you said, uh, that's specifically in your Italian heritage. But um, it, some animals and different, you know, have different meanings throughout different cultures. But um, for the most part, you can understand what an animal is trying to say even if an animal that isn't in your area appears to you it can be something god's trying to tell you um and there are a lot of animal guides you can look for online there's also a lot of different books you can purchase and uh there's even oracle cards specifically regarding the animals and their spirits and what they have to say i have one by kyle gray it's uh spirit okay Yes. I personally don't use this. That's a whole other podcast. (laughs) I personally don't use the term spirit animal just because it is closely um, in resemblance to indigenous appropriativeness. Uh, So I personally use the term animal guide. I just find it safer that way because the spirit animal practice is a very specific to indigenous thing. It means a lot more than just finding out what your animal is on a quiz. Um, Because with them, it's their they actually have, my husband is indigenous, so I'm, I'm going to paraphrase a bit, but um, at least in his culture, when um, somebody becomes a man or, you know, grows up to become a woman or even a two-spirit, whichever, mm-hmm. when they are going through their, um, I guess the uh, Australian indigenous would call it their walkabout, you know, their, their uh, journey that they're sent off to go on when they're reaching puberty, mm-hmm. uh, an animal guide or their spirit animal comes to them and they actually are, um, they mirror each other and they work with each other to grow up to be who they need to be as that animal. And that's why it's not quite the same as when we say spirit animal, (laughs) just to, just to throw that out there. But druids, we are very closely intertwined with animal guides and you can have many animal guides. Sometimes your animal guides will shift throughout your life. You'll have one animal guide that just seems to be popping up all the time. And then it's mm-hmm. not coming up later on in life. But there are also specific animal guides that will follow you throughout your whole life to show you what you need to learn in yourself when it comes to your growth. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. And obviously, like, I mean, like the the Oracle deck that I have is like called messages from your animal spirit guides, but I don't use them as like spirit animal Oracle cards. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, yes, absolutely. So, um, and I misspoke. It's messages from your spirit animal guide. You know what I'm saying? He he doesn't Mm -hmm. use like that, like terminology. Um, yeah, sorry. I wasn't trying to tackle you. I was just, no, no, you're not, but it's, that was very important too, because like Mm -hmm. a lot of people don't understand what a closed practice is and they don't understand, like, it's such a buzzword. I feel like, especially on TikTok, and people will like, you know, jump down somebody's throat for not simply knowing a Mm -hmm. 
How it's about you? education, right? How and education. for me, like I am so white, you need sunglasses to look at my heritage. Like it's terrible. It's so bad. And lots of, yeah, like I said, lots of colonizing, especially on my dad's side. But um, so I've just, because I'm married to an indigenous man and I have an indigenous son, I just personally make it my objective to, you know, when uh, the topic spirit animals comes up, I just yeah. give a little bit of education so people can understand where I'm coming yeah. from. Especially because that one, and obviously like the use of white sage, but spirit animal is such a um, over like popularized like Hollywood term. It's It's very colonized. Yeah. It's very colonized. It's like, it's almost like Starbucks astrology. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so I don't want to, um, I don't want to discourage anyone from looking towards their animal, you know, looking into their Mm -hmm. animal guide because it is out there and it wants to speak to you and it has amazing messages from God that it needs to deliver. Uh, That being said, just, uh, you know, make sure you are using the proper terms and you're educating yourself on what that looks like for you as a person. Yeah. And like, just to be like, just to clarify for my own self, what I kind of got from what you were saying was like druids will have different animal guides throughout their entire life. Whereas a indigenous person will have one like spirit animal. Like they, yes. Okay. So that makes a lot of Absolutely. sense. Like, you know, right now I feel a pull to work with hawk, right? Because I live mm-hmm. where there's like 10,000 hawks in front of me and I'm a witch. You can't expect me to not want to work with them. Well, exactly. Uh, right. But when my husband and I move, I might not want to work with hawk anymore if there's no more hawks in my area. Maybe I'll work, live somewhere where there's a lot of wolves or deer or whatever. And that'll be mm-hmm. the animal that talks to me. Um, but what, like, from what I'm getting from you is like an indigenous person, they will continue with that specific so understanding that like the animal that you're working with now may just be here for a season um and not like your entire witchy career witchy path absolutely absolutely and by the way hawk is very popular and important in druidry because it represents the east it represents that cardinal direction as well as um air the air element so yeah. Oh, so is that why you find, well, you probably find hawks all over the world, right? Because I was like, oh, is that why you find hawks on the East Coast? Yeah, we, we find hawks closer. Uh, it's it's more so in the East, and that's why that's the cardinal. So the last thing that, like, druids were, like, the big thing, right, that I, I heard mm-hmm. from you that druids work with is trees. Yes. Oh, and this is an exciting topic, too. I, it's all exciting, but this one especially. And this goes back to that article I was discussing earlier Um, the Israelites have a very close relationship with trees as well that I feel like is completely missed in Christianity, (laughs) um, in general. And, um, I want to bring that up because grove worship is common in both Israelites and Druids. And what I mean by grove worship is the act of worshiping outside in a forest or in trees or around the Stonehenge or wherever you want to be. It's out there worshiping amongst nature and worshiping with nature. It says in Psalms that the trees are clapping our hands just like we are, right? And um, the Israelites have very specific beliefs around specific trees, just like the Druids do. Yeah, the same Hebrew word which signifies oak also means oath. And the root of this word is mighty or strong. The oak is very sacred to the Israelites and it's very sacred to the Druids because our word for um, oak is druer, which is druid. Um, so we see ourselves as trees as well. And we see ourselves as people that can have relationships with trees. That's so cool. Oh my gosh. Wow. But the oak and oath thing is really like, that's mind blowing. Um, so when yeah. you personally work with trees, like, how do you do that? Aside from like, when you were saying like going and worshiping out in, you know, in a grove of trees or outside, right? Like that's one way to work with that kind of spirit. But what, what's another mm-hmm. way that you could, especially like, like, let's say somebody's urban and they don't live in a place with like a lot of trees. Great question. So um, if you can go to a park, that's a great way to do that. If you can grow a tree, like if you can have a little bonsai or something mm-hmm. like that, that works. Um, even just keeping a stick, <laughs> that works. Um, a lot of druids believe that the essence of the tree is saved in the sticks. And that's why we use wands. That's why we use staves. Um, it's also a very common practice, even in uh, 1 Kings 13 and uh, in Ezekiel 
that's that's a sorry in ezekiel 4 i was reading roman numerals um there's references to practicing um offering up incense under a tree really okay Hold on. so just it's getting them involved right ezekiel, ezekiel. it's getting nature involved yeah just getting like the nature involved in the practice and like i would even assume you know you could do a painting of a tree and like work totally. with that if you really did not have that natural like plant material or you know like come join the jesus which discord community and make a friend there and get somebody to send you some leaves from a tree <laughs> totally totally you know? And uh, we do believe that each tree has a specific essence, just like the Hebrews do. Mm-hmm. And um, we believe that there are also dryads, which is like um, a specific being. It's very similar to the Fae. And yes. they are a spirit that attaches themselves to that tree. And that is why certain trees have different qualities, because they are different spirits that are attached to those trees. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't know if you've ever done this, but I've taken, like, hikes before where I could, like, feel the vibration of one tree, and it'd be the exact same species as the tree next to it, but the vibration is completely different. Did you know that trees can actually communicate through their roots in their own language? This is scientifically proven. And they can actually communicate and tell the other trees when something or someone, specifically a witch, is coming through their forest. Oh my gosh. Right? How cool is that? Like they actually have their own language that they discuss with. And another great way to work with trees is grounding with them. If you sit at their roots and put your feet down in the dirt, the dirt, (laughs) the dirt, the dirt, your hands in the dirt, or even just next to the tree, you can um, meditate with them and they will help you uh, synchronize your energies. They'll help you um, bring down your stress levels and ground to where you need to be. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, honestly, just thinking about dirt, not even trees, dirt is so good for you. So good for you. Literally like microscopic organisms within dirt that help your gut health and prevent depression. This is like, again, this is science. This is not like. Exactly. (laughs) And the sun, like, I mean, I I have seasonal affective disorder. So the sun is so important to me because sometimes during the winter months, oh boy, I have to turn on a UV light because I just need that vitamin D. (laughs) Yeah, Winter months are like harsh. And like, well, when you were talking about putting your hands in the dirt and like connecting with the roots of the tree in that way, or even just like being outside barefoot next to the trees, I was thinking about Mm -hmm. like, you know, those of us who live in a climate that sometimes, um, (laughs) that is not acceptable. (laughs) Oh girl, I'm in Canada. I understand. I had snow yesterday. (laughs) It's gone now, but I had it. (laughs) No, but, uh, that's horrible. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. What I was was thinking is like, even if you can't use like the tree itself because it's winter time or, you know, you live in an urban environment, whatever, getting like a tree oil, like pine oil or something like that. Yes. On your wrists and on your, um, ankles, like, and your feet to be. Or a pine cone. A pine cone. Yeah. A pine cone. And I believe, like, if you don't have pine cones near you locally, I'm pretty sure you could find a pine cone on Etsy to buy. Actually, I used to sell pine cones on Etsy. Really? <laughs> yeah, they were authentic Albertan raised pine cones. It did really well. <laughs> I was just about to say, I'm, I'm just sure there's, like, a very specific niche of people that want I'm pretty sure it was my bestseller, actually. <laughs> and it's, like, not only the witchy people want that, but, like, the artists, too. Oh, yeah, they're fun with crafts, for sure. <laughs> Like and that's those. another way to implement them into your, into your craft is use them in your art, use them yeah. in, you know, whatever way, um, suits you in expressing yourself, your muse. Yeah. No, I mean like we've, I mean, I homeschool my kids and we do a lot of like foresty school stuff. So we've made like paintbrushes out of trees and tree branches. We've made paint out of different like berries and like dyes from nature. Like you can do so many things with just the materials that you find in your backyard. You can also make a witch's broom or a basem with your twigs, right? I, I made some out of rosemary and those, those were a lot of fun. They were very soft too. Yeah. And I would assume those were really protective because rosemary is like, yes. Before we started recording, you were talking a little bit about an oak king. So who is that and how do they relate to God? Yeah. So the oak king, he has a few different names throughout Druidry. Some call him Lou, some call him uh, Bell, some call him uh all sorts of different titles, but essentially the Oak 
thing is the like it's correlated with the sun or the sky god the god that is the god that was the god that will always be and he is the one that provides us life of course and with with mother earth alongside him so um in Druidry, we focus a lot on the celebration of conception as well as fertility is very important because it's not just about fertility of humans, but fertility of the earth, of its growing and constantly evolving and adapting and learning. So the Oak King is constantly uh, being reborn and is at the beginning of the year, we see that birth coming at the beginning of spring. There's the conception, actually, which is tomorrow, Beltane, right? And uh, the celebration of conception. And with Christianity involved, it's like a celebration of conception of Christ from God and goddess. And uh, conception of growth of ourselves as well as the church. Celebration of the bride and bridegroom, that sort of thing. Um, but as this king emerges and raises himself up to eventually bring harvest and to provide us with that harvest and safety of win- for the winter and um, bring us that light of the earth to get us through to the next year, he eventually dies down again and Mother Earth goes back into, not hibernation, but into her, her sleep until spring is awoken again. So the Oak King is very, very commonly um, associated with God. And there's usually what they call the Battle of the Oak King and the Holly King um, in Samhain. But it's more so not really a battle. It's actually a passing of the baton. And the Holly King is also very closely associated to being God mm-hmm. and to bringing us through the winter to get us to the next spring. So it's really cool, the similarities there between um, the Israelites and their festivals, as well as the Druids and their festivals and how we see that the world is constantly turning and God is constantly bringing us ways through that. And of course, the Harvest King uh, around Lunasa, which is August 1st, actually my very first Druidic holiday I ever celebrated, even as a witch, um, it talks about they, a lot of them celebrate Jesus Christ. Because he is the harvest. He is what provided our harvest. He is the reason we can enjoy the harvest. Because before, especially me as a Gentile, I wouldn't have been allowed to enjoy that harvest. So. That's a really, like, great way of putting it. And it's also just, it kind of ties, like, God into the wheel of the year as well. Totally. is so, again, brings us back to the point I made way back in the beginning of the podcast that we're all one. And like, basically like you describing Judaism and the way it's very like similar to Judaism uh, just proves that this is all one and comes from like, we're all cut from the same cloth. That's essentially what I'm trying to say. Mm -hmm. Um, And like winter, for example, or Yule um, or what we call Albin Arthen, it's the promise of the King that is coming. It's that celebration of Advent, which is also another tie to King Arthur. We celebrate the Messiah coming. We celebrate the the person coming that's going to save our kingdom, our humanity, right? Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, like, and that's what Christmas is, right? We're celebrating Absolutely. Of, um, Jesus Christ. I, I just, it's so interesting how, like, tied up, like, these are. And how, like, it's it's literally, like, it's almost, like, the exact same. It's just different terminology, Um which is, I mean, like, obviously, like, Judaism has, like, a little bit more of, like, the, uh, you know, the witchy flair to it. Oh, totally. We love magic. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just very interesting how it's, like, super similar and, like, again, cut from the same cloth. Um, I'm so sorry. I forgot about the name of the second thing that you said. That oh, you- I was going to just um, mention Awen here as we're closing, but um, it talks about... Awen is something that we're constantly searching for in life. And essentially the combination of Awen, there's three things that make up Awen. And that is uh, knowledge, wisdom, and compassion, which are very important qualities that Christ was teaching us as well to not only be educated, but to be wise in our education and to have compassion with our education. And essentially the Druids focus in life is to constantly gain Awen. And there's no, end goal to Awen. You're constantly evolving and growing and gaining more Awen as you go. Um, and we gain these things through living life, practicing our gifts, our music, and, you know, grasping our relationship with nature and using it to its full potential. And you constantly 
um, experience Awen in different times of your life. It's those little moments where you're just like, you know what, this just feels like a good day. You know, mm-hmm. those little tiny moments where God's like, Hey, I'm here with you. And I want you to know that my presence is here with you right now. It's those cool moments, like a pine cone showing up in your mailbox. <laughs> yeah. It brings a lot of uh, positivity, at least for me anyway, to constantly look for the Awen and look for ways that I can bring in Jesus Christ's character traits into my daily life. Yeah, I mean, like, firstly, Awen sounds just very similar to the path that I'm on, but it also just sounds very similar to just, like, seeking the Holy Spirit in general. Totally, totally. It's it's just, again, seeking things that fulfill you in a positive way that you can, like, help others with that raise the vibration of the earth. It's like, you know, that's, and that's what seeking the Holy Spirit is to me, is, like, really, like, trying to connect with the, not just connect with the earth, but connect with, like, the community that's on the earth. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know what? I, I just got a huge revelation actually awen is the fuel that keeps our candles working as light of the world yeah that's actually like that makes sense it's what helps us shine brighter but it's also what helps other people see us Mm -hmm. and see it shows them how like it's our it's our way of impacting it's um as peter said they know us by our love for one another yes a verse that the Christian church forgets about. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yes. Don't they ever. Mm. No, they know us by our skirts. No, they know us by our hair. No, they know you literally. by your love for one another. <laughs> I literally made a TikTok about that verse and all the evangelicals were like, they know us by the fruits. And I'm like, no. okay. Well, you Where know does what? it say that? <laughs> I, like literally also, but you know what like Paul says the greatest fruit of is of all of them? Love. Oh, so yeah. anyway, <laughs> absolutely. So um, that is, that's a big focus in Druidic Christianity. And yeah. I guess if I were to completely summarize this entire podcast and Druidic Christianity as a whole, I would say that Druidic Christianity is the practice of acknowledgement of the Holy Family's role in creation. Creation is so important. Mm-hmm. The devotion to God, the practice of stewardship and dominion over all living things in creation, like Genesis 1 verse 28, and the recognition of our God-given rights and power to protect, to observe the pureness of fertility in creation through ritual and rite, and to just, like I said, experience Awen through music, animals, and nature that is all around us. It's completely free, it's so easy to access, and it's open to everybody. Yeah, that's such a beautiful way of describing it. Oh my gosh. Well, Amber, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me about this this uh, topic, to talk about uh, Christian Druidry with me. Uh, I learned so much. Like this is, again, this is going to be one of the episodes that everybody's like, wow. <laughs> Lena got thank quiet. you so much. <laughs> it was such a pleasure for me, honestly. I, I mean, I am so excited to be able to share more of what Druidic Christianity is to people. And I'm just so excited to be talking with you as well, because I've been listening to the podcast and I'm I'm a huge fan. So thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. (laughs) Uh, But if people want to connect with you, where can they find you on the interwebs? Yeah, so I'm trying to get better at my social media presence because I just became a mom last year. My baby's almost a year now. And um, I kind of disappeared and went hibernating. So um, I'm slowly coming back out. After yeah. you have a baby, that's exactly what you're supposed to do. So you did nothing wrong. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So I'm on TikTok as Avalon underscore the Brown. Uh, you can also find my Facebook group. I've got um, Eden Circle is actually um, a Christian witch or Jesus witch church that I preach at. I just got ordained recently. Um, so we have meetings on there twice a week, but yeah, that's sick. Huh? Thank you. I appreciate that. It was a huge milestone and honestly, it was terrifying for me. (laughs) Maybe you can relate because of, uh, so much religious trauma that I went through. I'm a pastor's kid. I married a pastor's kid. So me being ordained and yeah, me being ordained and preaching witchcraft, like it's scary, but (laughs) honestly, it's been such an amazing adventure. And uh, God's been doing some really awesome things. So, so awesome. Uh, yeah, you can find us there. I can send you the links for that. That's great. Yeah, send me all those links. I'm going to join your Facebook group because that's, that's really <laughs> dope. <laughs> but anyway, um, this was a I squeed there. 